0: Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love, and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington, and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website, c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. 2021, here we go. Who's ready for 2021? Come on. <laughs> I remember last year we kicked off and man, I was like Vision 2020 and we had this uh, sense of what God's going to get up to in 2020. And 2020 was a weird year. Wasn't it such a strange year? And I know I've said this before, but I don't feel like as a, as a global community we're out of the woods yet with, with COVID and things like that. But New Zealand has done remarkably well. And uh, come on, believing that 2021 is, it doesn't have the same thing. Vision 2020 sounds great because, you know, the 2020 vision thing. Vision 2021 doesn't sound quite, has the quite same ring to it, but anyway, I'm excited for this year, and uh, uh, it's been great having a, having a break. Who's enjoyed having a bit of a break, and uh, who's feeling rested? Any rested people in the, in the room? A couple of people feeling rested. Who was like me then when you got back to work, it was like hopping on a treadmill already going full tilt, and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, we're away again, and uh, I think the good thing about uh, it feeling like I was exhausted the uh, third day back into work, I was like, is it the weekend yet? I'm, I'm trashed which must mean that I managed to slow down. So that's a a good thing. And so uh, I appreciate you, church community, um, just supporting the fact that we do take a break as a church community through the end of December and January. And it's been great coming back in with Sunday socials. Who's enjoyed those? It was great last week at Eastbourne. So much fun and just chilling, relaxing, lying around and hanging as a church community. But we're back into it this morning, our first Sunday gathering here in the town hall. And I'm excited for what God has got for us this year. And uh, and here's the thing: I've, I've, I, we had our first leadership um, meeting on Zoom. We we were back. I had two Zoom meetings on the same day, and I thought, oh my gosh, because I mean, I wasn't a Zoom guy before COVID, and then COVID hit, and I became a Zoom guy, having to do Zoom meetings. And, and I got who got Zoom fatigue? I got super Zoom fatigue through COVID, and then we had two Zoom meetings in the same day after not doing one for ages. I had to do an interview for the gentleman for my for a role at work and uh, on Zoom, and then we had a ministry lead team meeting on zoom and 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 here's one of the things that we were putting to the team and i'm really passionate about for this year is we need to be a year where we increase our prayer this needs to be a year where we increase our prayer output I believe that prayer does the heavy lifting, amen? Prayer does so much more than we can do in our own strength. Prayer just, it just, it just gets us aligned with heaven, gets us cooperating with the Holy Spirit, allows him to download into us, allows us to, that alignment is so critical, and, and so I really believe that this year needs to be a year where we are increasing and stepping up our prayer as individuals and as a church community. And so this morning, I wanted, if I thought there's one topic I wanted to kick off the air with, it's this topic of prayer. And I'm very grateful to Craig Goshell and Life.tv, or I'm not sure, they've got a weird church name. It's like Life.tv. Who names a church .tv? They do. Hey, it's so cool. They're... A huge amazing church and they have a lot of open resources and free resources for uh for church pastors and churches to be able to access that video and this slide is from them he actually put out a book called dangerous prayers i've never read it apparently there was a daily devotional on dangerous prayers which bex and some others did i never did it so i thank you craig rochelle and team for your slides and your video this message has got nothing to do with his book uh unless 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 the holy spirit just downloaded that into me because i haven't read it or seen anything about it but I just want to give props where props to a but I've got three prayers that I want to talk to you about this morning, three what I call dangerous prayers, dangerous prayers. And I'm challenging you this morning, are you going to be a person that wants to pray dangerous prayers in 2021? I know that when God called us to plant this church, He called us to plant a church that was risky in faith and bold in action. And something happens, and, and what I realize is as go, goes my prayer life, goes my passion. As goes my prayer life, goes my go, goes that risky faith and boldness. And so I'm just, I don't know about you, but I want to get that boldness back. I want to get that faith back. I want to get that prayer in action. Anyone with me this morning? And so I hope that by the end of this message series, you'll be, a uh, message, excuse me, this morning, you'll be like, yeah, I want to be praying those dangerous prayers Two, I believe as we start to grab these prayers and make them our own and and, and they come from that place, things are going to shift in the atmosphere of your life. Things are going to shift in the atmosphere of this church. Amen. And if you're wondering why I'm sort of almost yelling it's because I haven't done this for a while. I just get passionate and I miss it. So I'm sorry if I get over exuberant. I'll try and calm it down. Uh, But before we launch into this, why don't we start by praying? Good place to start, right? Message about prayer. Come on, Father God, we thank you for the fact that we can gather again this morning as a church. We thank you for 2020 and we close the book. We close that chapter, and we thank you that this morning we're opening the chapter of 2021 for our lives and for this church. And Father God, right now we declare that every promise that you've spoken over our lives, every promise that you've spoken over this church will come to pass. It will come to pass, God. We commit to to the building of your church and the edification of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, be lifted up, be glorified, be worshipped and adored, be seen in Jesus' name in this church and in your people. And we, God, Holy Spirit, we ask that you speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our spirits, that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would change us from the inside out. God, I pray that we'd have the boldness and the courage to pray dangerous prayers in 2021. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, the first dangerous prayer I want to talk about is the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples asking Jesus, how should we pray? You'll find this in Matthew 6. And I love that when the disciples ask Jesus how ought we pray... I love this because here's the thing. It's not that they didn't actually know. They came through the temple system and the old covenant system and the, and, and there was so much systematic prayer already established. There was, there was so much of this is how you ought to do it. In fact, they came from that religion of this is how you do it and this is how you don't do it. It was very red tape. It was very much this is how you ought to do it. And so they've seen something in Jesus which is countercultural to the way things were happening in that religious environment. They saw something in Jesus that was different. And so they Coming to him and saying, "Hey, can you teach us how to pray? Can you tell us we, we're, we're submitting to you as our as our rabbis and our teacher as our Lord? Would you teach us how to pray?" And I love before Jesus launches into actually pray this, he gives them what I call some pre-prayer instruction. I feel like it's like a coach before the team takes the field. All right, and it's almost like that pre-game pep talk. It's like before you even. Think about the words you're saying. Let's get some things straight about where your motivation and your your prostrate position should be before you start even praying. Because who knows the words you say aren't as powerful as the position from where you pray them. I'm going to say this. Your prayer is not some genie in a box mantra that if you can just say the right things, something's going to shift. It ain't about the words you're saying. It's about the heart. And the power of behind it, the connection, the honesty, the authenticity, and the integrity of where you're praying it from. And so Jesus brings this to the disciples' attention. And I want to bring it to your attention, too, before we actually get into dangerous prayer number one. So let me read it to you and get some key thoughts from Jesus' pre-prayer instruction to his disciples. He says this in Matthew 6. I'm reading verses 5 to 8 from the Passion Translation. And I'm just warning you. I'm gonna read the Lord's Prayer from the Passion Translation, and it's gonna shake you because it's different in a good way. I like it. All right. Nothing wrong with all these translations. I'll just go in this way. Bring a freshness. Bring it on. Thank you, Lord. Let me read verse five. Whenever you pray, Jesus says, be sincere. And not like the pretenders who love the attention they receive while praying before others in the meetings, in the meetings and on street corners. Believe me, they've already received their full. They're in full the reward. Verse six But whenever you pray, go into your innermost chamber and be alone with Father God, praying to him in secret. And your Father who sees all you do will reward you openly. When you pray, there is no need to repeat empty phrases. Praying like those who don't know God. Woo! For they expect God to hear them because of their many words. Verse 8, there is no need to imitate them since your father already knows what you need before you ask him. What a bunch of amazing little uh, thoughts and instructions that Jesus gives here. Let me just really succinctly bring it down. Here's some key thoughts. Number one, when we pray, we must pray with sincerity. I know that seems like it's like, yeah, of course, Steve. But I don't know about you, but I think it's sometimes easy to get into insincere prayer mode. I think it's easy to get into insincere Christian mode. I think it's easy to get into insincere Sunday mode, where you can play the game, do the actions, go through the actions. of, of but Maybe right now there's things crumbling inside your world right now. Maybe there are things that you've got doubt all over you. Maybe there's things of anxiety. Maybe these things right now there's are just turmoil inside of you, but you can smile and wave. And Jesus is just saying what well, like, right now the best thing you can start with is authenticity pray with sincerity don't like god out. you're amazing everything's going in the side you say i'm struggling right now God's like the, maybe the best prayer right now is i'm struggling right now but you are still on the throne anyway so pray with sincerity insincere prayers are also dangerous prayers but the wrong kind of danger Insincere prayers are dangerous prayers also, but they're not the kind of dangerous prayers we want to be praying. We need to attach sincerity to prayer. The Holy Spirit meets us in that place. Number two, pray from your innermost chamber. I love this language from the Passion Translation. And we know that uh, the Holy Spirit dwelt in the innermost chamber of the temple courts and that when Jesus was crucified and he gave up his final breath, the, t- the, the curtain that was like a, a foot thick was torn, was rent from top to bottom. And the Holy Spirit, like this has no longer been kept away from people where only one person can go over here now. It's like Jesus made a way that we could all access the Holy Spirit. That the temple went from being the temple physical building to you becoming the temple. What a powerful thing. So when Jesus is saying, he's almost like prophesying out, when you pray, pray from your innermost chamber. He's relating it to the temple like the most innermost place of you, praying from the depth of your heart, praying from your, the, the depth of who you are, connecting who you are and the depth of your feelings and emotions in your heart to the prayer in that moment. There's a depth of connection deep down in our prayer. Jesus is saying, don't just pray this flippantly. Don't be disconnected emotionally from what you're praying. Jesus doesn't want you to disconnect emotion. He doesn't want you to disconnect your heart. In fact, part of the battle is actually getting through our head to our heart. God didn't just die for the top six inches of you. He died for all of you. Amen? Jesus didn't die for six inches. Your head, he died for your heart that he would transform you from the inside out. Pray from the innermost chamber. I love this. It says you don't need lots of fancy words. I think that's just such a, a, a great word. Part of our passion, C3 Wellington, is that we'd be, we'd be a relevant church to those that don't know Jesus. In other words, we don't want to get so Christianized and so, uh, so comfortable with an in, in, internal insider language that someone that comes in from the outside that doesn't know God is gonna think, I have no idea what the heck's going on. And sometimes we can over-Christianize things and over-spiritualize things when it doesn't need to be that way. I love how Jesus makes things that, that it might be complex simple. I love that whole, the gospel is efficient, it's efficient for everybody, and even a child can grasp it. It goes through every denomination, every demographic, every age group, every, it, it just translates everywhere. I love that about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's Jesus saying, look, it ain't about fancy words. I, I imagine in that day and age that fancy words were put on a high pedestal, that if you knew the Torah and you could like quote it for verbatim, it was like, well, pff, go ahead, you're the, you're the." you're the amazing prayer in this group. I, don't, I can't do that. No, I'm just saying, don't let the enemy shut you down and intimidate you that you need to have fancy words when you pray. Authentic stuff from the heart brings the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on. And, and I just want to add one more thing to that thought. Pray the way you pray. Pray the way you pray. Let's not think, okay, this is, okay so if I'm in C3, I, this, is, this is the way we pray around here, so I ought to pray this way. No, pray the way you Pray authenticity. I love the, that Jesus tells the story of these two men that walk into the synagogue, uh, a, a, a priest or a Pharisee, and then this, this sinner. And one walks in and, and says, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this guy, that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the other guy walks in, beats his chest and said, I'm a sinner, would you forgive me? And, and one went out justified, Jesus said. One went out because he just didn't have a fancy words, he just went in with authenticity and said, forgive me, I'm not worthy. Come on, pray the way you pray. Authenticity is trumps. Amen? And then this, that I, and this is one thing we need to remember that God rewards outwardly what is done secretly. God rewards outwardly or openly what is done secretly. But the heavy lifting and the heavy work is done secretly. So much of your faithfulness is not Outworked on a Sunday morning serving or, or, or whatnot, it's done in a secret place. In fact, uh, there's a, a, a book, sort of Who You Are When No One's Looking. I'm trying to remember the name of the book, can't quite remember it, but it was a challenging book. Who You Are When No One's Looking is actually the integrity of our lives, right? And so God rewards what is done secretly outwardly. I just want to remind you that God is the, your rewarder. That no one holds the keys to your life. That no person has the keys to your future, the keys to your purpose. God can open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. God will reward the faithful, amen? God will reward the faithful, amen? With like girlfriends and such, Hey Caleb? Preach. Preach. I'm serious, man. Houses, Jobs. I am know it's more than material stuff, guys. I'm just being facetious with Caleb. God rewards, you know the greatest reward you can ever receive is the presence of God. <laughs> there's nothing greater. If, you, if there's one thing that would, would trump everything, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit turning up, it's, it's making the, the reality of Jesus and his love for you manifest in your life so powerfully. That trumps everything. There's nothing greater than the presence of God. Love, the, the, again, the parable Jesus taught about the man that found the treasure in the Field and sold everything he had to buy the field so he could have the treasure. There's nothing on this earth that will satisfy. So I'm being a bit facetious when I say girlfriends and, you know, jobs and things, but God also adds those things to our world. Amen. All good things come down from the Father of lights. Preach. All right. Let's read this dangerous prayer. Are you with me? All right. Here we go. Let's pick it up in verse 9. Jesus says, Pray like this Our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, May the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the King who rules with power and glory forever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Don't you love that translation? It's a bit off-putting. You're so used to being able to say it, the Lord's Prayer. But I love this translation. How dangerous is this? Listen to this. May the glory of your name be the center of which my life spins and forms. And may, may your glory be my main objective. Now remember Jesus' instruction. Can you pray this with sincerity? Can you pray this from your innermost being? Can you pray this with authenticity in your own words? Can you say, May your name, may your glory, may your be known be the most important thing in my universe. May everything spin towards that trajectory and anything that doesn't, cut it off. Take it out. I want my life to be aimed at you. I want you to be glorified. I want to be spent seeing your name lifted up and glorified. How dangerous is that prayer? Can you pray that prayer? That's a rhetorical question. Don't lift your hands. Can you really say, Lord, I want my life to be spent making your name great? It flies in the face of culture where it says, spend your life making your name great. Culture says you should be trying to climb to the top, get to the top, make yourself known, gain an influence, gain opportunity, gain whatever. Uh, it cracks me up this whole thing of social media influencers. I'm a social media influencer. I mean, I'm not. I'm just saying it's just, it's just a whole new realm for me. I'm, I am a little bit older Gen X, so forgive me. But I'm just like. Can my life be spent that God might be the influencer? That God influence rules that, that that through me that I might be made low on the down low that He might be lifted up. I love the uh, uh, John the Baptist, uh, the cousin of Jesus, who passed the way for Jesus. He said, "I must decrease so that He must increase." You know, he lost his head to the whim of a young girl dancing before Herod was beheaded. Jesus knew about it in the moment, it did nothing. Honestly, he he. he if you look at the story, John's disciples come to Jesus, and he says he 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 preaches the he he brings the, the 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 prophecy from Isaiah, and he says what the Messiah will do. He'll do this. He'll do this. He'll do this. But he leaves out, and he'll let the captives go free. He leaves that part out intentionally because John ain't going free. In that moment, he's not going free. But Jesus also says about John, no greater man has been born than John the Baptist. Because I need to decrease that he may increase. And he made a way for Jesus. Are you prepared to say with your life, what Jesus is saying, this this is a dangerous prayer, that my life will be spun in a way that you will be glorified. And then all of my passion and motivation will be to see you lifted up. Christianity ain't for the weak, man. Following Jesus ain't for the weak. And I'm just saying it's very hard to fence sit this sucker. When we fence sit this sucker, we dry up, don't we? The Holy Spirit has got an all-or-nothing approach to this. It's a dangerous prayer. It goes on to say, manifest your kingdom. I'm still shouting. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm shouting at you, but I'm so passionate. We'll call it preaching. Maybe it's preaching. Is it preaching or shouting? I don't know. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth. Manifest your kingdom realm. May, as it is in heaven be what it is in my world and the world I I, I move in and in the world around me and my community around me, would heaven invade this place? You know that it says that when one person says yes to Jesus and decides to follow Jesus, that all of the heaven erupts. Could it be that when one person says yes to Jesus, that we erupt inside? because we've just brought the kingdom of heaven to earth in that moment. As it is in heaven, is right now in my life, that I'm as passionate and as excited about seeing one person saved as, I, as, as, as the angels in heaven are. It's challenging stuff, isn't it? These are dangerous prayers. It's gonna make you think again when you pray the Lord's Prayer. I hope it does. It's challenging me. I hope it's challenging you. We acknowledge you as provider of all we need. How much of our anxiety and fear is wrapped up in not knowing what tomorrow may hold and how we might meet that need and get that thing sorted or get through that situation? How many times are we denying that God is the provider and will bring up all that we need when we can stand and declare, Jesus said, with sincerity from the innermost part, we declare, you are my provider. I can go on here. I can go on. There's some, uh, Forgiving us our wrongs as we release forgiveness. I'm telling you, that's a dangerous prayer because you've got to release Sometimes the, you just want to hold on. Holding on to unforgiveness, might, it's, it's, sort of, it's funny, it feels good, but it does bad. It's, 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 there's a fairness and a justice that wells up within us that if we let it go, justice won't be served, but God's saying, let me be the just judge. You release. You don't need to carry that weight. It's a dangerous prayer to release and forgive and get, go lighter into your tomorrow. Rescue us. When we face trials and tribulations, acknowledging that he is king, that he is the one, that that you can't just get yourself out of everything, that you don't necessarily have the strength or the will or the ability to just get yourself out, that you might need the Holy Spirit, that you might need God to come through, that you might need a miracle and a breakthrough. These are great, dangerous prayers, amen? But let's move on to dangerous prayer number two. We join Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before... The crucifixion. We pick it up in Luke 22, verse 39 to 42. We read: Jesus left the upper room with his disciples, and as was his habit, went to the Mount of Olives, his place of secret prayer. He has a place of secret prayer. I want to pause and challenge you to find a place, literally, not figuratively, find a place of secret prayer. Is it that walk in the morning? Is it the... What is it? Where is it? Where is the place? Who's seen the movie The War Room? It's a great movie. This woman develops a room where she goes to war and has her prayers, and it's it's an amazing thing. And I'm saying, develop your war room, your secret room. Then he told the apostles, keep praying for strength to be spared from from the severe test of your faith that is about to come. (laughs) It's interesting that he's saying that the, the thing you need to do, disciples, for the test that's about to come that's going to get you through it, that's going to speed you through it, is prayer. Again, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find that when I'm in trials, I should be going to prayer, but sometimes in that moment, prayer seems to not be the first resort, but maybe the last. I try my own, do things in my own strength, try to get through it on my own ability, and then when all else fails, Jesus here is saying that prayer is the thing that will get you through this severe test. And then verse 41, he withdrew from, this, from them a short distance to be alone, Kneeling down, he prayed. Verse 42, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of agony away from me. Are you ready for the dangerous prayer? But no matter what, your will must be mine. No matter what, your will must be mine. What a dangerous prayer to pray. No matter what you think is best for you, no matter what you think is the right path for you, no matter what direction you feel you should take and step you should go and attitude you should have and whatever, it's, it's like, no, there's a submission that is required to God's plan and for God's purpose and for God's will to prevail over your life. Can you pray this prayer, my friend? Can you pray the prayer of no matter what? No matter what I'm facing, no matter what trials before me, no matter what, your will must be mine, your desires must be mine, your plans must be mine. What is in your heart must be in my heart. It's called having a posture of indifference. I'm not talking about indifference, saying that you don't care, that you're nonchalant. I'm saying that you. You only care about the will of God, and when it intersects and, 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 and your will wants to go one way and God say, no, oh, go the other, there is a submission to the will of God. Meekness, and I've preached this before, but I just love it, derives from the war horse. The war horse that is so well-trained that it will charge into spear for want of its own life at the will of the rider. The rider has full authority over that horse. It is not a weak horse. It is a strong horse that will go when it says go, left when it says left, right when it says right. It's completely submitted to the rider. Are we submitted... To the Holy Spirit, can we pray? Your will must be mine. Can we have a position of indifference like the Ignatius of Loyola, 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 who knows how you say it. Some old dude said, trust me, back in the 1500s, so he's reasonably old. But this father of the faith, he said to hear the voice of God, you must be willing to obey the will of God. To hear God's voice, you must be willing to hear it and obey it. For bringing your preconceived notions and ideas to God for him to bless them is a surefire way to never hear the voice of God. To make your mind up and bring it to God to stamp his blessing on is a surefire way that will never hear the voice of God. Can we say, God, this is what's in my heart. God, this is what I, what, I, what I desire. This is the direction I want to go. But I ain't taking a step unless you direct me. I'm not going that way. As it says in the book of Psalms, block off the path that leads to nowhere. Put a big X on that. I'm not going to get off the highway of my life. It's going to lead me on a detour. Block that path. Regardless of what I desire in my heart, I trust you. Can we pray that prayer? It's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? It's getting quiet in here. You can feed back. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I just, I'll just i take that silence. as you're just chewing on this, eh? Just thinking about this, chewing on this. Gee, Steve, 2021 and you're throwing this at his first Sunday? Come on, I want this for you. I want this for me. I don't want to go through the motions this year. Come on, I want this for us. There will be a people that have this passion to say, come on, God, what you will, I'm on board. I'm on board. All right. Have you got the ability to take in one more dangerous prayer, Troy? You can come and join me. I've got one more dangerous prayer for you. Does this line up with anything in the book at all, or is this? Have you read the book? No, you've done the devotional, eh? I mean, I recommend the book. I've never read it, but I don't know. Go Craig Rochelle. We we like Craig Rochelle around here. If you want a podcast to listen to, listen to his leadership podcast. Honestly. P.S., by the way, we're all leaders. We've all got to lead our lives. As we lead ourselves, God gives other people for us to lead and entrusts us with others as we learn to lead our lives. God increases that. You become an influencer for Jesus. Social media influencer. So get some leadership into your world. Craig Rochelle, you can't go wrong with, you could do far worse. (laughs) Dangerous prayer number three. It's the commissioning of Isaiah. The Lord commissioning Isaiah for his ministry and his purpose. we find this in Isaiah 6, verse 8. The Passion Translation doesn't have an Isaiah translation yet. <laughs> so I'm going back to the ESV for this one. Isaiah says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? First of all, I love that Trinity language right there. I love how God refers to him as us. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He will represent us. It says that the eye of the Lord is looking to and fro, looking for those that would put their hand up and say yes to God. Looking for those faithful. To join Isaiah in his dangerous prayer when he said, here I am, Send me. Here I am. Send me. A five word dangerous prayer. God didn't muck around with Isaiah. The very next verse he says, you're gonna say stuff, and they're not gonna listen. You're gonna prophesy our truths and it's gonna fall on deaf ears. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) But I also know because of his obedience, when Jesus walked into the synagogue and picked up the scroll, he read from Isaiah and he read the messianic prophecy about himself Through because Isaiah was obedient. Because Isaiah said, yes, Lord, send me. Isaiah had no idea what he was going to transpire in his life, that he would be the voice of God, the voice of the spokesperson of God, that he would write down the words of God and that Jesus would utter his words to start his ministry. What a powerful thing to be a part of history in that way, because he said, here I am, send me. Second Corinthians, when it talks about you becoming a new creation in chapter five. Behold, all things have been washed away and behold, all things have become new. I love that. That it's just just not a cognitive decision to follow Jesus, that a transaction, spiritual transaction happens of newness, that's why we call it being born again. It's like that, you feel just like a spiritual rebirth or birthing. What was dormant has been awakened, such a powerful thing. It's not just a symbolic moment of a decision made, it's a spiritual transformation that happens. And it goes on to say that we will be your ambassadors bringing the good news to those around us, the sweet fragrance of the good news of God, that we'll be your ambassadors, pleading to the world around us on your behalf, that we will be the here I am, send me generation. Is what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, that we don't just make the step into, into salvation, into relationship, but we take the step into purpose, and to laying our life down, to saying, yes, Lord, send me. Send me into my workplace, into my family, into my friend zone, into my school, into my wherever it might be, whatever zone I might be in. Send me to have a send me attitude. What a dangerous prayer. Because I'm telling you something, it's inconvenient. We were (laughs) a family of six, Living on a six and a half acre property in the Coromandel, part of a church for 10 years. I was part of the leadership team, the worship team. Had a great job, had great friends. We've been in there for 11 years. Got married there, started a family here on the Coromandel people. I believe six of the top 10 beaches were within 10 minutes' drive of our house in the world. It's amazing. But then one day God apprehended us and we had a, will you go for me? moment, and we had to make that decision, here I am, send me, and now it's not a one-time decision, it's an everyday decision. Again, I wake up. Sometimes you've got to dust the dirt off yourself. And it's been a hard day beforehand. But you're going to go, I'm going to go again. I'm going to go again. It's funny, the, the, prophet, the prophet Jeremiah, when God says, you're going to be my spokesperson And you're going to say stuff on my behalf. And he goes, this is amazing. My, yes, I'll be that guy. Jeremiah's like, yes. And then he finds himself naked in the ditch, beaten up. And he's like, he says this to God. You petard me. It says in Hebrew. You petard me. You deceived me. You seduced me. You seduced me with the power that I'll speak for you. And in speaking for you, I get beat up. And in the end, taken off into captivity, going, You bloomin' people should have listened to me. Now we're going off to 70 years and get But look, he had to, Sometimes you've got to dust yourself off and go again and have a here I am, send me attitude. 2021, church family. Despite what's gone before, today is the day we made the declaration again with sincerity from our innermost being here I am, send me, are you with me?